When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm joined today by Ian Cheeseman. You alright? And Stu. How are you? How, how are you both doing today? Fine, end of season, it's Monday here in Manchester. The sun's just about shining still. Just about, it's beautiful out there. Beautiful. And you're still basking off that Premier League title success, Ian. You've still got the smile across your face. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about a few things. I know when mm. this one of them will be uh, the interview Cal Doon did, and he had a big smile on his face, the chairman. <laughs> Um, and so he should. I mean, I can't imagine why anybody who is a City fan shouldn't have a big smile on their face at the moment. Um, in fact, the real challenge... You're talking about the FA Cup final now. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. Well, there is that as well. You're being diplomatic, but <laughs> that's exactly what you're thinking. I can you did tell watch you. that FA Cup yeah. final. I did, yeah. It got me off to sleep. It was yeah. dire, yeah. wasn't it? Was it? Terrible, yeah. Such yeah. a contrast to what we've seen with City this season, wasn't it? It was... Dreadful. I mean, I know we're, we're, we're here to talk about City, but... It made you appreciate City again, didn't it? It like, did. Seeing yeah. that these, are, these other two teams, yeah, and Chelsea, two of the closest challenges to City, and they're so far behind. It was. I found it quite ironic that Jose Mourinho, after that game, said that he thought that they were the better team, and clearly objected to the fact that Chelsea had parked the bus. And I, I, it, don't, the irony cannot be lost on anybody that uh, Mourinho was out Mourinho in that cup final. It was the battle of the part of the buses, and um, if I'm really honest, I didn't think either of them deserved to win that FA Cup. You know, you, but we're spoiled. You're right, Rich. I mean, the fact that we've you know been watching City this season playing dream football means that now whatever you compare it to. Has to be inferior, yeah. you know. You, you, the tribalism will never change, and you know. If, if obviously, I've not been to see any League One or League Two games recently, but when I go and watch a League One or League Two game, and I do see a lot of them: Berry, Rochdale, Oldham, Wigan, um, you know, teams like that. Um, I, I love watching them, and, and I love the raw competitiveness and the physicality, and you know, the clubs themselves are. Are clubs that you want to support, and 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 you can understand why there is a loyal fan base that follows yeah. these teams, even though they're relatively unsuccessful. The football, all right, isn't on City's level, but it but there isn't a raw honesty about it. What disappointed me about the cup final was that neither team was prepared to to sort of slug it out. There was it no was, sort of fight, was there? No, it, it, it was two it was teams that were tepid. Just... <laughs> That's the best word I can think of. Yeah. Well, I try to get my, my eight-year-old, I'm trying to get him interested in watching a bit of football and hopefully it'll spark his interest to play it, principally. Yeah. I said, oh, we're going to watch the cup final today. And he said, who's playing? And I said, Man United and Chelsea. And he said, uh, okay, now, and five minutes in, he was getting fidgety. And yeah. I, I didn't stop him. I thought, I'm not going to stop him going off and Good playing man. in the garden because if he sits through these 90 minutes, he's never going to watch a football match again <laughs> in his life. Because it was just dire. And I thought, I really, I'm not going to force him to watch this. You know, he's, he's, I love the NSPC. Yeah. Say on me if I, if I do that. So. <laughs> well, let's hope the World Cup can give him a bit more of an appetite. Maybe we can fall in love with football that way. He gets to watch City's players playing for their countries then. That should easier for him, shouldn't it? Hopefully, hopefully. Oh, the World Cups aren't quite what they used to be, are they? You know, they're not... The risk of sounding like an old fart. <laughs> it's, uh, they're not quite... They don't seem to generate the same kind of excitement yeah. and, and colour and, and verb as they used to do. But anyway, that's a, that's that's a difference for, for another day, I think. Well, while, while we're on this sort of World Cup thing, though, do you not think part of the problem is too many games? Yeah. The World Cup has yeah. continually expanded, hasn't it? Bigger and bigger every and, year. And so you sort of think, is it ever going to end this? I mean, as it happens this year, I won't be watching a lot of the World Cup because I'll be enjoying holidays. But nevertheless, I used to, when, when I first watched the World Cup, when they first were shown every single game, because there was a time when you'd only see England or you'd only see certain cherry-picked games. And it's got to the stage already, I can't help thinking, where... And there's so many of them that you you just think, oh God, not Can again, not another three games today. We, and so people ignore most of them. Iran versus Qatar doesn't really fall. No, about, does it? <laughs> but even then, but then the big ones get lost in it all. Yeah, we've got yeah. 
Um, you know, they're also spread out. They're at funny times of the day. And and the, the World Cup, I just don't think VAR's it's the same. VAR's gone a bit interesting. Oh, so God, God, don't start on VAR. <laughs> I think the other, the, other, the other point is that World Cups are such a big corporate event now. Yeah, that they, all, they all seem the same. They don't have an identity of their own. I mean, thinking back to our youth, you know, I, I remember that Argentina World Cup. I remember staying up late, which was excellent, yeah, yeah. To, to watch games. And, uh, and the, the ticker tape. And it, it was clearly in South America. Mm. It had a real South American flavour to it. The one four years earlier, um, uh, we, you know, that had a flavour. That was in West Germany, and, and it, it, it felt right. It, fe- it felt it felt German. But now you could be anywhere. You know, yeah. you're going to be in Russia this summer, and if if you arrived from Mars and were told there's a World Cup on, you'd watch it on the telly, and you'd have no idea where it was from. You know, other than things like the TV theme music. Seeing Putin but, in the stands, but, yeah. <laughs> but but it all looks the same. Mm. It's just like moving the circus from one one country yeah. to another, and not not allowing that country to. It's like they, they don't stage it in the way that that country would normally stage a football. Mm. A football event, and I, th- I think that's that's part of the the problem with the, with the World Cup as well. Right? As a champion of fans, which I'd like to think I am as well. Obviously, we've got the Champions League final coming up this week, and uh, whilst Liverpool and Real Madrid might not be my teams, I still feel sorry for the fact. And Atletico Madrid highlighted this last week ahead mm. of the Europa League that the fans are just a small section now yeah. in the ground, yeah, and that's what's wrong with the World Cup. They're all sterile. The games are sterile. And apart from maybe the home country, there is never a, a sort of mass support there yeah. that creates a different atmosphere in every ground. Yeah. You just get the feeling that most of the people who are there are representing MasterCard or mm. whatever, one of the Continental Tires or all these different sponsors. And yeah. that half the people who are there are not even interested in the yeah. football. It's, it's just it's an event, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's very and, sad that. And it's just, that's more of it, yeah. That's people who view football as a TV programme rather than a sport, isn't it? And I guess that's a completely different sort of aspect. And it's, it's one of the problems with modern football. But no club sport. I mean, and obviously we're principally, you know, we're a City podcast. So we're here to talk about City. And of course, we've, we're seeing a slight intrusion from this corporate world, a bigger and bigger intrusion mm. from this corporate world into club matches. But what distinguishes at the moment anyway, domestic club games as opposed to games that are played on tour or um you know, if ever this thirty ninth game came in or whatever, those games would then just become like the World Cup, that there'd be these sterile events. But the domestic games between two English teams at the moment is still thankfully 80-90% fans, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that, that's why it's different. That's why the grounds feel different, and there's a there is a, you know a different identity. So you know at the moment nobody likes going to Anfield, but at least it has an identity. I've never liked going to Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be right. But the, but good, the good news is, is only seventy six days until City kick off in earnest again. Well, that's a beautiful way to, <laughs> to round up that little diversion before we even got onto the first question today, which has sure. helped me anyway with the discussion. And I guess while we're in this positive mood, Pep Guardiola signed a contract extension at City late last week. This season just gets better and better for City fans, doesn't it? Absolutely. And from all accounts, he actually signed it a few weeks ago. Um, so they kept it on yeah. the wraps and we've been talking about it for a while. Um, perfect news. I mean, given his track record of seeing contracts out and seeing, given his, his track record of not signing too long, um, the longest contract I think he's ever signed is three. I don't know whether... I know he was at uh, Barcelona for four, wasn't he? Mm. But I think that was an extension as well. So to to actually, all right, he's only signed effectively a new year, three-year contract. So it's as if he's starting again now, Um, obviously on better conditions and better money, but he's starting again. So I don't think you can expect any more than three, but if he sees this out, which, as I say, his track record is he will, that'll be five years of Pep Guardiola, a minimum of five years at City. Um, and the impact he is already having and probably will have going forward is just so huge. Um, whether it's, I mean, I know Arteta and, and Iniesta and Patrick Vieira have all spoke, been spoken about in different ways as people who work, will or may have in the past worked alongside him and be potential successors. But the main thing is that he's there at the moment putting all the building blocks in place as well as looking after the current team. He's... He's keen to bring young players through. He's, he's 
massively hands-on in terms of the academy and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the, the way he is, is nurturing so much talent within the club is means why anybody who's, who's got City at heart, why would you would you not be as happy as you could be with that news? Yeah, it, it, it sort of opens up a lot of avenues. It, it gives us stability and a, a security. I think I think up until, like you say, the, the deal was probably sorted out several weeks ago. But up until last week, City fans were still a bit worried that he, he might get fed up, you know. He, he might have had enough of Manchester. He might be looking, getting restless and looking elsewhere. This sort of um, secures the future. It, in terms of bringing players in, players are going to look at that and think, well, I'll get at least three years working with Guardiola because he is such a draw, you know. Uh, obviously, one of City's prime targets is, is Jorginho. Um, he'll be looking at that and thinking, well, next three years of my career, I can spend playing under Guardiola in that fantastic team. And as you say, the, the, the youngsters as well, he, he's now got that little bit of leeway in terms of he's, he's won the league by a massive margin, he's broken all those records. Um, he can perhaps start giving the likes of Foden and Diaz a little bit more. He's got that security in, in, in himself because although we all we all feel Guardiola's been secure, we've never felt for a minute that he was ever under any kind of threat. When you listen to him, he does. He, he sort of said, you know, the management could get fed up with me, they could feel. And he, he admitted to moments of doubt in his first season where he wondered, am I right for this job? Am I right for English football? So he's had those moments of doubt. He must have been doubting. Well, I find it hard, but he must have been doubting whether Ferran Soriano and Cheeky Bagheras team were actually uh, had the same kind of faith in him as they professed to have. Um, they, they, I mean, they're close friends of his, but even even that, I don't know if he's just using it to motivate himself and say, you know, yeah, you know, they they might get rid of me, they might get rid of me. Whereas we we, we weren't thinking that, and I'm pretty sure Cheeky and Ferran weren't thinking that. But uh, he's got that security in his own head. He's got that security that's out there for the world to see uh, in terms of the young players, in terms of his, his current squad, in terms of players who want to come in. And I just think City are just going to get even stronger with it on the basis of that. I, th- I think the, he's got a solid squad there now. They'll tweak it a little bit going, going into next season. Um, and I can't see anything else other than a more powerful, more secure, more solid, better Manchester City going into next season. You've got your finger on the pulse a lot more than I have in a day-to-day sense, Stu, about what's happening. Where are we up to with Arteta and Iniesta? Well, as far as I know with Arteta, um, the deals he's agreed uh, with Arsenal. There's just a few details to to be to be not uh, to be knocked around. Um, Iniesta, I honestly don't know. I, I saw, I saw know. the image of him sat on the pitch looking that, very. Yeah. You know, sort of uh, wistful, shall we say? Um, but I also heard a, a suggestion that he might go to Japan after uh, some this connection. Kobe, to yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of chit chat. I mean, it's one thing being a great player; it's another thing being a, a great coach, isn't it? You know, Arteta was always cut out to be a coach. Uh, whether Iniesta's the right man to come in and replace Arteta, I, I, don't, I don't honestly know. Pep would know that better, better than any of us. Um, but I, it's not something I've. Uh, I've heard strongly, to be honest. Instinct says, for me as a fan, the instinct says bring Iniesta in, especially if he's a player coach. And it means that, I mean, I know he's at the veteran stage now, but I think in certain games he could probably still do a job. Maybe, I don't know, I'd have to see him close up right now, but at the moment I feel it maybe his legs are not quite up to the biggest of the Champions League games. But City play that many games. I imagine him playing alongside a Foden or a Diaz or whatever. Yeah, make the Carabao Even in training. training with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's got to have an impact. And if then he shows an aptitude to go forward as a coach, mm. um, it, it, it feel like, but this is me, this is the fan talk, and it's a bit like Rangers fans going, yes, we'll have Steven Gerrard, <laughs> even though he's unproven. There's a bit of that, me thinking, well, Iniesta is the player who I remember playing in the very first game at the City of Manchester Stadium and uh, he looked old by the way then didn't he you know he sort of had that yeah. sort of bald and looked like like the best people in the world all do and uh, <laughs> and and looked at him and thought he'd be the player I'd have tomorrow 
uh, even though everybody was talking about Ronaldinho at the time, look at the career that Iniesta's had. Now, if he could come in and be a coach, of uh, you know, have that attitude, as I say, aptitude to go into it, he, he he could just be the man that succeeds Pep, but so many ifs and buts. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Well, another aspect of that is that, if you remember last summer when City were after Danny Alves, A, they wanted him because he's a very good right-back, and they wanted a, another right-back alongside Kyle Walker. Uh, but B, they wanted him because they wanted a little bit of Barcelona in the city dressing room. They wanted that attitude, somebody who would transmit that, that kind of attitude and that that mindset and, and that Barcelona philosophy to the other players. So, you know, if you're looking at Danny Alves for that, Iniesta is certainly a better bet for, for that kind of thing. You know, he's worth having for that alone, you would argue. Mm. Um, if, if, he, if Pep thinks he, he's got the makings of a, of, a, of a great coach as well. I don't know, has he done his badges? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, He's got a World Cup to prepare for as well, though. It's of course got, he has. It's going to be yeah, yeah, difficult yeah, yeah. for... And Pep will want to get any sort of behind-the-scenes deals done before pre-season, really, you'd imagine. You know, he wants to act quickly in the, uh, in the transfer window. It's interesting this summer because Pep's got big decisions on and off the pitch, really, to make and how he goes forward. He's got time. and It's one of those, like you said, Ian, really, you trust whoever Pep gets in is going to be right for the job because it's Pep's instinct and his nouts that he's not really had a, a bad one yet and he's got a high success rate in the transfer market at Guardiola it's got to be interesting and when we look at these next three seasons is it as simple as saying the only thing he needs to do to prove himself is win the Champions League with City what other goals do you think he has here we talk about this legacy this dynasty he wants to create does the Champions League define that well I think he, with three year contract now I'm sure at the top of his priorities, whilst everybody will assume it's just about the Champions League, imagine if he was to win three more Premier League titles in a row and have four mm-hmm. by the time this contract runs out. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, if City didn't win the Champions League in that next four years, and I'm as hungry to see that happen as anybody else, but if, if you could say to me now... Pep will be around for three more seasons, and City will win the league in all three seasons. I'd be, you know, and they play this football. I'd be highly delighted with that. Um, it is a cup competition, the Champions League, and and there'll be uh, there might be people listening to this who think that's ah, easy for you to say because it's not City in the Champions League final. Yes, I'd love to be in the Champions League final. I'd love to see him win it, but winning the Premier League over and over again would be a much bigger statement to me of consistency, of quality and, and just how good this City team are. Yeah, you, you've got to think the view from Abu Dhabi and I think the view from Abu Dhabi is they want the Champions League. Mm. Um, that was sort of on the table right from the moment they took over. They wanted to get City up to speed and challenging Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. They're in a position now where they can, they can actually do that. Um, and I would think they will want the Champions League. And I don't I don't think it's a case of winners of Champions League or you're out, you know, because I think if, if as you say, if, if he continues playing this brand of football and City continue to to grow the fan base around the world and, and get the kind of publicity that that football has generated, I think I think that Abu Dhabi, uh, that Sheikh Mansour, I should say, because it's easy, you know, he's a, the nominal owner, um, I think he'd be more than happy to uh, to just go with it. Um, Pep said himself, didn't he, last week, that he wants the Premier League more than he wants the Champions League. So that chimes with what you're saying. Um, I'm not so sure about that. I don't know if that's him taking his, the pressure off his players because I'm sure if you ask all the players, they'll definitely want the Champions League because it, it is the pinnacle, isn't it, these days? I mean, it, winning the Premier League is fantastic, but sitting on top of Europe with all the great players that are out there you know, the, the great Spanish teams, the great German teams, the difficult Italian teams, winning the Champions League is tough. Uh, and that, you know, Kevin De Bruyne wants to win the Champions League. Of course he wants to win the Premier League as well, but if you if you nailed him down on it, he will tell you he wants to win the Champions League. Yeah, well, I can't disagree with yeah, that. I think also, interesting, whether you like it or not, there's always going to be doubters when City win the Premier League and stuff, because they say you haven't won the Champions League. It would silence anyone, any remaining doubters of this City team. I know it seems farcical that there's people who don't believe that the team has just broken all the records, are the best team in English football, but if you can win the Champions League and win the Premier League, a double like that, there's no sort of arguing about mm. who the best team in Europe is right there, right there. And it's going to be interesting to see. And you, you know that there'll be 
jealous fans of other clubs who will say it's a failure if Guardiola doesn't win the Champions League now. They've got to put the pressure on him. It's going to be really difficult and interesting to see. Um, we spoke as well about strengthening in the summer. Khaldun had his interview last week and he said that they're going to try and get two more top quality players in the summer. What positions do you think City need to strengthen? Are there any players in particular you'd like to see brought well, in? Well, I saw the interview and I, I, I think he probably did say two, but two stroke three would be how yeah. I would interpret it. Uh, because I personally would bring in three players. Now, to me at the moment, the the, 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 the one that, that I suppose, to say I dream of it, it's probably going too far, but the, but the one that would excite me would be Eden Hazard. Uh, there's clearly a bit of a an issue with him in Chelsea. Um, he was like the one-man team, basically, for Chelsea in that cup final we spoke about before. And I think he fits the Pep Guardiola... Um, format perfectly because he's like he's not a striker he's not a midfield player he's not even really tied to one position he is a footballing attacking midfielder um, and I think the the new way the Pep way is not to necessarily have an out and out striker so therefore if they could get Hazard mm-hmm. to add to what City already have um, then this argument about well what if Aguero gets injured as happened during the last season, and they're relying totally on Jesus. So what if Jesus gets injured, as happened during the last season, and they're relying completely on Aguero, even if both of them got injured, you know, heaven forbid that that would happen, with players like Eden Hazard in your side, um, coupled with all the great talent they've got, you don't need to really worry. I mean, he's another great creator and finisher, and um, Real Madrid are supposedly interested uh, there's an argument to say that stopping Real Madrid, who now would be one of the main Champions League rivals going forward, um, by getting him is, is as important as actually getting him yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. not allowing a player like that go somewhere else. We can see very evidently that Jorginho is a is a key player in in what City are trying to do, and it's just about whether the two clubs can agree a fee. And instinct says that that will happen, and uh, that and that, that's got you sort of partner, backup, alternative to Fernandinho really, hasn't it? Um, and then the one position I'd strengthen in addition to that would be at centre-back and I would be looking for not a young um, person who's coming through who has a future and who can be moulded, but I'd actually be looking for somebody personally, right here, right now, an experienced centre-back who doesn't need to get up to speed, who already plays at the very levels mm-hmm. that City want to be at, um, that brings in a wealth of experience. So, given the concerns that we all have about um, Vincent Company, even though you know I personally think he's he's you know perfect really, but given that I wouldn't expect him to play certainly sixty games next season, and who knows, you know he, he could play less than that. If in his absence, City lack any experience to me in defence, and it so it needs somebody. I can't quite put my finger on who I that is. I saw some links this week saying maybe Jerome Boateng could return to City one day. Apparently at Bayern Munich he said he's interested in looking at new challenges in the summer after a couple of years in the Bundesliga. He's one player. I mean, there's no actual confirmation at all that City would be interested, but he's one player that maybe fills that mould, that you'd say? Well, he's certainly a player that I thought was undervalued when he was at first at City and he got ended up playing out at full-back rather than mm-hmm. in his more you know assured central-back position. I mean, Stuart and I, 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 certainly I interviewed him a few times and he always seemed a little bit immature. I don't mean that in a in a way that is meant to be disrespectful, no. but he felt like I was talking to a kid. Now, I suspect that that has changed. And when you look at the experience that he's had in the Champions League and for Germany, um, I'd like to think now that he is mentally in a different place and under Pep Guardiola could be a great player. But whether it's him, whether it's Vertonghen, whether it's Bonucci, whether it's who it, who it is, I don't know. But it feels to me as if, I mean, you know, you can shoot me down, Stu, if you want, but that feels as if that's a, something I'd be looking at as well, a third player. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree that they need, they need another centre-back. I don't think they're going for one. I mean, they keep, they keep talking about one or two. Uh, so I would seem like they're talking about two maximum. We know for a fact that older midfielder, as you say, Jorginho, is is the man that they're going for in that respect. 
Uh, and we know that they're after an attacking player, you know, still, uh, you, you talked about Hazard, and I'm sure they'd get Hazard if they can, um, but Riyad Mahrez is still very much on the cards for them, you know, that interest was never dropped. Um, I was hearing uh, earlier that Leicester are now sort of resigned, that they can't keep hold of him, they're getting a bit fed up with the fact that every transfer window they have a load of fuss with him. Uh, they were asking for like £90 million pounds. Uh, in January, and that's why City walked away from it. Um, I think they'll be prepared to drop that price significantly, and if they do that, a deal could could be done there. Uh, and I, I think so. You're talking about sixty million, maybe for Mares, um, Jorginho. Um, I know City City are supposed to be ready to pay like between thirty five and forty. Napoli have said they want sixty five, which would be a City record. Um, if you put those two together, you're talking about £120 million straight away. Uh, and City have made the point that they, they're not in a financial position these days just to go out and keep spending like they did last summer. You know, they spent £208, £210 was it, something like that. Um, and they can't keep doing that. So I would imagine that those two players, two £60 million players, that would probably be at their limit. Um in terms of keeping within the budget. Um, and we've seen the signs of this already. You know, they walked away from Van Dijk because it was too much. They walked away from Sanchez because he suddenly upped his wages. They walked away from Mares because Leicester were asking for too much. So it's not it's not pie in the sky. It's not a city just, just playing at this. They are actually uh, working to a budget. They've got to stay within the constraints of financial fair play. So, you know, I would imagine that if, if they bring in the two play, two positions that they've got, that we know that they're interested in, holding midfielder and another attacking player, I would think that will uh, that will just about use it up. And as you say, I mean, to, I'm a traditionalist and I think another striker, you need, I always think you need at least three strikers, mm-hmm. possibly four. City have got two, but Pep doesn't see it that way. He sees football from a different angle to the rest of us. Uh, and he's perfectly happy going into games without strikers. We've seen him do it. He'll play play Sterling more centrally, play Bernardo Silva more centrally, play De Bruyne there. You know, he's tried all these options and he's quite happy with them. As long as his team are playing football, he doesn't think that you need a, a player whose main purpose is to put the ball in the net. He kind of thinks that if, if you have good footballers in that final third, the ball will find its way into the net one way or another. That seems to be his philosophy. Um, and I, I, I think that's what he'll do. I think he's going to get a, an, another attacking player. Whether you know Mares would be the obvious one, uh, but I would think that Hazard will come into it if, if they get a chance to get him. And Jorginho is the, is the man that they want in midfield. They dropped the interest in Fred. We, we pretty much know that they were in in for him in, the, in January, um, but now it looks like he'll, he'll probably go elsewhere and. Uh, Jorginho became the man who, who they sort of focused on rather than Fred. So I, I think that bring those two in, bring Jorginho in, and then an attacking player, probably Mares, and I think that will be that will be City done for this transfer window. And I think that's good because I don't I don't think it, I don't think this squad needs a big overhaul. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't need the kind of surgery it got last season. And I think that just restricting it to that not only is a show of faith in the players who achieved what they've achieved this season, mm. it's also sending a message to Foden and Diaz and Nemecha and these young players that look, we're not we're not going mad again, we're not going into the transfer market. You are still in our squad. You've still got this chance to push on. You know, you you, you keep working out this summer. Uh, shows what you can do on tour. You get your chance in the Community Shield. Um, and then, then going into the season, you've got every every chance of, of playing 12, 15 games this season. And uh, I, I think that's an important message as well to be sending out. Agreed. I mean, the, the, my, the only factor that I would think might still bring in that experienced centre-half that I was talking about is if there is a centre-half of the right ilk who is coming towards the end of their contract, who, you know, I, I'm, I'm not aware of this, but you... Um, spend more time sort of researching these type of things. There might be a sort of Bosman coming up, one who's one year away from a contract who you can get a little bit uh, cheaper, I something like Demichelis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's up to ten, 
Lunatic <laughs> Barcelona was stagnating over a new contract there, but I think it sounds like he's going to sign a new deal. But like you said, I think it's Pep Guardiola's not going to sign just for the sake of signing players. He knows that if the right player comes available, he can pay what he f- feels is a reasonable price for him. But like Stu said, it's about keeping that squad hard. And he's all. I mean, if City didn't buy anyone in the summer, they probably could still win the league next season. It's not as if they need these players to be Premier League contenders again. They already are. This is just going to be bolstering the squad, take them to that next level even higher. And like you said, um, gives the youngsters that positivity going into next season. They have still got a future at the club. And part of that Calvin interview was he was asked about the youngsters and he said he's happy with all their progress this season. The, the four he sort of talked about were I think Zinchenko, uh, Foden, Diaz and Nemetra. And we mentioned Tolson as well. Yeah, yeah. Tolson, so that's fine for them. And look, looking ahead to next season, do you think all, all of them have a future at City? Or do you think any of them might you, be thinking that they want to? You just mentioned Zinchenko. Um, and it's funny because I have uh, friends and family in the Ukrainian community. And uh, obviously they adore him because he's Ukrainian. And uh, mm. I know he went along to, uh, to speak to, to some of the Ukrainian community. And I was then approached uh, with the possibility that they might do some sort of honouring of him. And then second they say that to me, um, I, I look at the rumours and the rumours are that he could be offered as a make-way in the Jorginho deal. And I'm thinking, right, so he could be off then. Um, I wonder whether that, something like that might actually happen with Zinchenko because now that Mendy's fit again and Fabian Delph is, is going to go in that left-back position, you can't see Zinchenko being a threat to Sane or even if they swap sides... Raheem Sterling or whatever, and as good a player as he is, um, of the five that you've named, um, I suppose he's the one that, um, whilst I'd, I'd love to see him do well, because he seems like a nice kid and has got some great ability, I wonder if he's the one that might just get squeezed a little bit and, and, and go. Tolson, obviously we're talking about centre-backs, if Pep believes that Tolson um, is, is a player who can come through properly and establish himself, then maybe there isn't room for a centre-back, although to me it's the experience element of that that's what I'm saying about not bringing and I'm not keen on, I certainly see no point in bringing a young centre-back now because they've already got Laporte and Stones and Tolson is arguably part of that as well, so it'd have to be an experienced centre-back for me um, Nemecha is, is a player that I've, I've really enjoyed watching um, and he, he's had an injury or two so he's not always been available but you know he can score goals, and, and and he looks like a, you know, an athlete and a, and a physical specimen. But clearly the two that everybody concentrates on, um, understandably, are Diaz and Foden, um, and then they just keep taking the right steps and, um, and 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 bring it on. I mean, there are some great kids coming through as well. You know, that in the under eighteen squad at the moment, you'll see a lot of them next year, even more so. Uh, Tommy Doyle's just had that injury while he's away with England and under 17. Even Matthew Smith's been called up for the senior Wales squad. Yeah, he, he's a Mexico. decent player. There's another lad um, whose name just escaped for a minute who, who, who plays as a tackling midfielder. Jacob Davenport, was it? Uh, no, I wasn't thinking of him. Is he called <laughs> McDonald? But, but Jacob oh, yeah, Davenport. He's, yeah, he's a younger lad, isn't he? Jacob Davenport. Yeah, um, so you know, th- there are others as well coming through. So just as people talk about England having a you know, a hotbed of these youngsters. A lot of them are connected to City yeah. in one way or another. Um, and so, so, yeah, he's right to be proud of that and, uh, and, and right, right to champion that. But it still comes down to, at the end of the day to you to get into this City team, you've got to be world-class virtually. Mm. So a kid coming through, I don't envy them that task, mm. um, even though the, the club are trying to, to support them everywhere they can. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pep's got it right. I mean, I've heard City fans moaning this season. Why isn't he, you know, especially towards the end of the season when the title was won, why isn't he putting Diaz in? Why isn't he putting Foden in? Why isn't he, you know, giving these kids... It's because there was something still big to play for. And Pep's attitude has always been, yeah, give give the kids a chance, but they've got to go out and prove that they've earned that chance. They've got to show that they're good enough to play in this team. If you put them in and they're not good enough, well... Then it's not going to work. Um, you know, he, he did that at Barcelona. He, he, he put, you know, he was quite happy to. Barcelona have always put young players in from the academy, but they've always been at the, at the, the point where they're ready to go into that team. Um, I think he's got it absolutely spot on. I mean, people people talking about Foden, and he is a fantastic talent, and we've all seen that. But he's still only seventeen. I don't think he turns eighteen till this summer, does he? Mm-hmm. He's seventeen years old. You know, and although we've seen seventeen-year-olds come into teams and make an impact, like Messi, 
and and because he was an exceptional talent, Rooney. But Rooney was a, a man in a boy's body, you know, other way around, a boy, <laughs> a, a boy in a man's body. Um, and Foden isn't those. You know, one thing that has held Foden back uh, in his development at City is that he's quite a slight fella. You know, I, I know that he's, he's coaches in, in the in the younger teams um, were always worried that he might not grow enough. You know, and to to be to be slight and slim and lightweight and and make it in the Premier League, you've got to be exceptionally good. You know, you've got to be a David Silver, basically. Um, Foden, for me, has got that amount of talent, but translating that into a Premier League team um, is a different, is a completely different matter. Um, and I think that, that's that's why Pepe started using him so sparingly for me. Put him on for the last 10 minutes when teams are tired, give him a bit of confidence. It's put him on and say, go on, have a run at that guy, you know, just just take people on, have a shot, you know, pick a pass. And I, I, th- I think he's just got that bang on. I don't, I don't think you're going to be putting too much on him. The position he plays in as well, he, he essentially plays in the same kind of positions that Silva does. And Silva's just incredible, you know, he, he finds time on the ball when there is none, he finds space where there is none. Uh, and asking a 17-year-old to step in and do that same job is Probably the toughest toughest role on that entire City team, you know, any position has got its own difficulties. But for me, playing in that in those tight areas and keeping possession and bringing other players into play is probably, in terms of your concentration and in terms of your ability and your touch and everything, the pressure that's on you. Uh, I think David Silva does the hardest job in that entire team, and asking a seventeen-year-old to do that that same job. It's extremely difficult. You just take it little steps at a time. Don't you don't need to throw the kid in. Just give him a give him a little little go here and there. Next season, step him up a little bit more. Start him in a, you know. See if he's unfortunate in the cups as well because they want to do well in the cups. Uh, but they've not been drawing you know scum, Scunthorpe at home. It's always been the Wolves or you know when they played the team from lower division. It's been Wolves, Bristol City, Cardiff teams who've got Premier League aspirations. So if you put you put a team of youngsters out in, in those games, and you're going to lose, and nobody wants to lose, then the fans will be all in the back. Why are you playing a weak team? You know, so you can't win. Hopefully, City might get a couple of draws, cup draws, where they can they can look at it and think, yeah, we can afford to put Foden and Diaz in this team. We can afford to put Tosin at the back, uh, and and then 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 they do get a little bit more time and a little bit more uh, a little bit more confidence and courage. From the manager, but you know, Guardiola knows what he's doing. He's, he's not. He's not doing. He's not doing this to be mean to these kids. He's doing it because he knows uh, a. He's got to keep them keen, and uh, and he's also got to be fair to the other players in his team. And he knows when the moment's right. And when the moment's right, I think we'll see them certainly folding, probably Diaz, possibly Tosin, possibly Nemecha. I'll get their chance. Is there an argument anywhere in this that because they're getting so much game, so little, sorry, game time throughout the season, and obviously you're right, it might step up a little bit in home cup ties against weaker opposition and ten minute cameos, but because they don't now play in the EDS team and they're too old for the under 18s or but wouldn't play in that anyway, they didn't play in the UA for under 19 league, for example, because they were cup tied in the Champions League. Um, you know they train a lot of course they do and they train with the first team and there must be some great merit in that but is there not does it not need at one of these or maybe more on one of these players to spend a season out on loan now I know sometimes when that happens like Mafio he doesn't come back Um, like Denea he doesn't come back like Roberts He's not, he doesn't come back, so that that's the Genghis Gun might might not come back. You know the other players that have had that that thing, but there's a bit of me thinking, well, you know, one really great season, um, Bursant Salina, you know, has, has 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 continued his development. He's one that's perhaps forgotten about by a lot of City players. But you wonder whether maybe it needs just one really good placement of a youngster in a team. Just for that one season, and then come back. I, I prefer to see them. I mean, City, City loan out to Girona. They loan out to Nat Breda. Uh, you know, they, they loan out abroad. I mm. prefer to see them loan out. I, I know, yeah, but in the Premier League, 
you know, if Central Foden, for, I'm sure somebody like West Ham or Southampton or Wolves or somebody would love to have a Phil Foden and he'd get game time there. Um, I, I just don't think that sending him abroad does a lot of... I mean, we've seen, like the lads at Matt Breda, Angelino, Manu Garcia, mm. they both had fantastic seasons at Breda. Breda going mad about them. Uh, PSV want to sign Angelino. Um, every, everybody's looking at Manu Garcia. We've got Roma wanting to sign him. Valencia, Sevilla, all these teams. But you get the feeling with City, it's a kind of... Yeah, yeah, he's, Manu Garcia's gone out. He's a great talent. He's done really, really well at Nat Breda. But Dutch football's Dutch football. It doesn't equate. It's not the, it's not the same. If he comes back into the City team, he's going to be lost because... So you kind of think, well, well what's, what's the, the point of sending him there? Then? <laughs> you're sending him out there to, to to develop, but all he's done is develop into a very good Dutch league player. You, don't, you want him to develop into a very good Premier League player. So in that case, I, I do understand that Girona want more, because they're playing in La Liga, you know, and you see Maffeo uh, marking Cristiano Ronaldo, and that's fantastic, that's what you want to see. <coughs> but, you know, the, the point of sending them to Holland, if you want to make a Premier League player, get him on loan in the Premier League, surely. That's, that's the, or the Championship, at the least. I mean, I, I do understand that, again, the, the, sending Selena to Ipswich, I just don't think that Selena is at the same level as Foden and Diaz and the Metro and these other players, but I, I think yeah, I think I think a loan would be good, but it's got to be the right the right loan. What about West Ham? Manuel Pellegrini goes in there. Yeah, well, you yeah. Think, well, 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 City well, yeah. surely have a good relationship <clears throat> with with them. Yeah. I mean, there, there's I, I, I think what, all those points you've made are excellent. Uh, there there is also a negative potentially to playing for a West Ham. Because if all you're doing is you're playing in a team which is desperately trying to claw its way to safety, then you don't have a chance, particularly with expressive type players, which is what Foden and, and Diaz, for example, are. How do you get the chance to express yourself in teams like that where the coach might be saying, especially if it wasn't Manuel Pellegrini, because I don't think he, he likes to play that way, but with other types of coaches, it, it, they might be restricting them. I mean, <laughs> controversially, I could say Rashford hasn't developed at all at United in the last year or two because he's, and even though he's in the second best team in the country, it's not just the club and the league, it's also the manager and the philosophy. So I know that last year there was a bit talked about Bristol City and Lee Johnson and uh, the City hierarchy seemed to really approve of the way that Bristol City played. Um, it hasn't happened yet. I don't think there's a player gone to Bristol City on loan, but the, you know that could happen. Mm. And I wonder whether now Manuel Pellegrini, knowing we've seen him at close quarters, if he brings the same philosophy to West Ham that he did at City, he's perfect, isn't he, to, to send a player out on loan to? In some regards, but then the thing that the alarm bell that started ringing with me immediately with that was Raheem Sterling. Because under Pellegrini, Raheem Sterling just withered away mm-hmm. and he was on his way out of the club. And if you talk to Raheem, he'll tell you it's because he just he had no he felt that Pellegrini had no confidence with him. Pellegrini was telling him play one touch, two touch football, whereas the first thing Guardiola did was said, Forget all that, you get on the ball. I don't want you to run at people. Now, if you're talking about Diaz and Foden in particular, that's their game. Do you want them going to West Ham and Pellegrini telling them one touch, two touch football? Probably not. You want you want them to be somewhere where they can they can do what they're best at, which is get on the ball and make things happen, uh, and do do as they see fit, not not just get rid of the ball quickly and then move move into space. So. Again, you know, yeah, I, I get it with Pellegrini. Pellegrini was a good transition between Mancini and Guardiola, but um, he's got a, he has got a different philosophy to to, to Guardiola. Um, and you're talking about individual individual players like Foden and Diaz. He's perhaps not as keen to let them express themselves as as Guardiola is. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, it depends on how these players even perform in pre-season for City. I mean, with the players, the star players away in the World Cup, they might get more opportunity than they thought they would do in the pre-season. Who knows how well they'll play then? Like they're going to listen. Like they're going to play all three games in the States because the players who play in the World Cup are not going to be coming back. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a penciled-in fixture which hasn't been confirmed yet that City could play the first week in August before the Community mm. Shield. Uh, but that game, if it is confirmed. Um, there's a lot of suggesting it might be Arsenal 
uh, in Ireland, but that's certainly not been confirmed yet. Uh, and then the Community Shield itself, those will be the only two games in pre-season, well, I suspect, yeah. where City can actually field their World Cup stars. So that means, by definition, the three games in the States have to be Bolden, Diaz, um, uh, Nemecha um, yeah. and, and Tolson and all these types of players have got to play. In fact, I wonder if it's alone whether place. Angelino and, uh, yeah. and Patrick people Roberts. like that and Patrick mm. Roberts might be playing. Yeah, yeah. Heart. Well, I mean, <laughs> when we get the tour party, that'll be a good, really good indicator of where where all these players are seen. Seen that because I would imagine that Guardiola would be quite happy to take a look at them in pre-season. Do you find that interesting that Matthew went for the pre-season? Oh yeah, I was surprised, mm. really surprised by that because. The reports we're getting back is that he's done extremely yeah. well over there. You know, we, we heard that he put Ronaldo in his pocket when, <laughs> when they played Madrid. Um, and it, it just seemed like he, that was one loan that was really going extremely yeah. well. And the next thing you know, he's gone to Stuttgart, isn't it, for yeah. £8 million, but with a, a buyback clause. So maybe that's yeah. that's the rider. Maybe they're thinking, you know, well, we can go back and pick him up uh, two or three years yeah. down. Like, but they don't need a right-back. That's, no, that's the thing. You know, Carl Walker's... Got that wrapped up. I'm only not playing Danilo. Is a for me. I know, I know a lot of City fans might not agree with this, but I think Danilo is a more than adequate backup. And the more games he gets, I think the better he'll be. I think towards the end of the season, I thought he was he, he looked really good when yeah. he played. Um, so perhaps that, I mean that that's going to be the thinking that Mafeo. There's no no real room for him here. There's no point in sending him out on loan again. There's no point in bringing him back and making him play. Yeah, yeah, with the odd, odd game in the Carabao Cup. So let the lad move on in his career and then keep an eye on him and then go back in for him if uh, if he does mature into the player that we all thought he, mm. he, he you know, we all think he, he, he could eventually become. Uh, but it's interesting, we're talking about pre season and, and the chance that, that the fact that the World Cup's on, all those, all the youngsters and not so youngsters who are coming back. Uh, who report back for training on July the 9th, if they've got the right mentality, they should be looking at this summer and thinking, well, I've got a chance to get in that plane for the tour. Yeah. And I've got a chance. And the player they should be thinking about is Zinchenko, who we mentioned earlier. Because this time last year, if you'd have said Zinchenko was going to play, I don't know how many games did he play this season? It must have been That's 15. Oh, yeah. 20, Out of all the youngsters, he's the one who's played the most football and he's the one that was sort of thinking, oh, if one's gone, it might be him. But... He's well, got leaps and bounds, and he's an attacking midfielder playing left back. Exactly, and he was out on loan doing nothing. Yeah. He couldn't get in PSV's team, you know. And you thought that's him, him yeah. gone, you know. He's got to make it there. Yeah, he's 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 out of Zuccolini, you know. He, yeah. he's, he, we thought he's another Zuccolini, not only because his name begins with Z. I mean, <laughs> since that's three City players, his name begins with Z in the last five years. But um, yeah, so the the. the you thought you wouldn't have given a given him a, a chance, no. but he's come back in in the summer. He's shown a great attitude. He's, he's done extra training. He did things like when he got back from Huddersfield when City played down in the Premier League, he went straight in the gym when they got yeah. back to the CFA on a Sunday night when everyone else was out, you know, looking for a bit of fun. Um, and these young lads should be thinking about Zinchenko and thinking, well, I've got a, if if he gets a shot like he did, I've got a shot at this. If I can just go out and show the right attitude, I can get on that plane. And there are tons of them. I've just been writing a piece about about the, the lone players who are out there, you know, the likes of Manu Garcia and Alish Garcia. Um, you know, there, there are dozens of them. There, there are 41 players who went on lo- out on loan last season. It's um, a long piece, though. Yeah, well, I, I, thought, I thought I had to focus in on the uh, sort of the more senior yeah. ones. I've even left out names like Thierry Ambrose, who, yeah. who I know City really rated going back three years he thought he was really going to become a, a, a top player but then he had a bad injury that kept him out for a season and he's not quite got it back and he's, he's done alright out on loan at Breda but he's, he's not he's not quite hit the heights that he was doing um, in his younger days at City so I've, I've left I've left players like that out and focused in on the Angelinos and Manu Garcias Jason Denea is another one and you know towards the end of the season uh, we've written him off about eight times haven't we now Denea for one reason or another but he's just won the title with Galatasaray and apparently in the later stages of the, the season he really came to the fore yeah. and was a key key player. Um, and if you're looking at that, if you're looking at a player who can step forward and uh, and help the team over the line the, the way he has done this season, well, you know, you kind of think, has he got a chance coming back? 
despite the fact that when he was at Sunderland and when uh, wherever else he's been, yeah. he's not looked the part. He's just he's just not looked like a Premier League player. But sometimes that happens, and you get two years down the line, something clicks with them. They mature. Um, they start they start to understand the bodies better. They start to understand the game better, and they they, they step on. And so you know you never know Jason Denayer or Angelino or somebody like that. I mean Angelino is, is an interesting one because uh, we always we we know his big his biggest fault is that he can't defend. <laughs> you know we we saw him against Chelsea in the Youth Cup. He, he was tearing teams up, wasn't he? Uh, when he's on the front foot and he's going forward and playing beautiful passes and firing his goals from 25 yards out. He looked fantastic. Then Chelsea put him on the back foot in the FA Youth Cup final and he looked terrible. He looked like he couldn't, he's no way he was going to hack it. But of course, this City team is perfect for someone like that, like Angelino. They have the ball all the time. That's why they got away with Zinchenko at left back because they have the ball all the time and he's good going forward. Um, Mendy, to an extent, you know, he's not a great defender from what I've seen, but that's because he attacks all the time. Angelino, you never know. You know, he's, he's had a good season with Breda and he's had a good season as an attacking left back. He might just come back in July, go out on the field, show Pep what he's got. Pep will be predisposed towards him anyway because of his, his roots. Um, and then he, you know, you never know. He goes on tour and you never know. He, he, could, well, he could well be the star or something. I'd like to think so because, you know, it, it's difficult seeing all these young lads coming up through the years and then they all they'll disappear, you know, they all dissipate because none of them have actually broken through, have they? Mm-hmm. I know it's still early days in terms of the City Academy, but it'd be nice to see them progress and get into the first team, at least one, two, three of them. It'd be, it'd be a good, great start. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. the next step, really, isn't it, for City? And it's going to be testament to the youngster. The one that does finally break through that first team is going to be worth getting excited for because like you said the competition is so high there's so many who haven't quite made it yet so if you are a city youngster and you're knocking on the door the first thing you know the future is bright yeah. and like I said the future is still bright for City going into next season I think we've discussed transfers we've discussed pre-season seems like a good way to wrap up this week's Talking City podcast thank you both for joining us and sharing your knowledge and your excitement maybe for next season the pre-season can't come soon enough for you Cheesy you're excited already aren't you yeah no I'm going on it now I've got a sponsor to uh, to back me for my vlog so I'll be doing them out in the uh, the States so all these youngsters whether they, they come back from other clubs or whether the ones that are already in, in the City Academy uh, I can watch them at close quarters and uh, and also see how the brand City as it were is developing around uh, Chicago, New York and Miami where, where City were playing and, mm-hmm. and the great games as well I mean they're playing Liverpool of course who might be European champions don't, so, don't get too ahead <laughs> of yourself well I said might be um, and they're playing um, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich so there'll certainly be good tests I'm really looking forward to it and, and if it means we see the emergence on that tour of, of at least one of those who suddenly from no, not from nowhere but Grasps the uh, the opportunity that would be even more exciting. Mm. And with Italy not going to the World Cup, there could be a certain debut in centre midfield too for you to look forward to. But we'll have to wait and see, and we'll keep you posted on the MEN of all City's activity in the transfer market. Thank you for joining us on Talking City today. Make sure to subscribe to us on Acast for all the latest episodes. <laughs>